seated just by way of review as we move on here and we we did uh, uh, five lessons in regards to the key uh, of interpretation so if you have your intro there as we move on from the key of interpretation let us review that as a church we believe and hold to the these are kind of the two main points from the last five lessons we believe in a literal interpretation of prophecy a literal interpretation that in essence the the bible we believe what the bible says amen and uh, we don't we don't allegorize it now there are times we talked about that where god uses a figure jesus said i am the door if any man enter in by me he shall be saved now jesus christ did not become a wooden door when he said that and all God's people said see he's using a figure to communicate a truth prophecy is what it says it is now let's go you're, you're there in Revelation go back just a few pages to 2nd Peter chapter 1 and boy uh, every Christian ought to be familiar with these verses and uh, really memorize these verses. This, this whole passage is so good uh, from uh, verse 16 of 1 Peter chapter 1 all the way down to verse 21. But we're going to just look at verses 20 and 21. And it says there in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 20 and 21, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. This is so important because it leads you to believe that you can trust this Bible because man didn't just write what he thought would be a good idea. He wrote what God wanted him to write. Amen. But in that verse before, in verse 20, it's so important that we get this down. No prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. And I would, I would argue that those who do not take a literal position on prophecy, who take an allegorical meaning, it could, allegorical could mean many things to many people. It could be, you know, forgive me, it could be anything you want it to be. Now that is not the way to interpret Bible prophecy. That Brother Lawley says, well, I think it means this. And I say, well, I think it means this. And, and Brother Boston says, well, I think it means this. Well, forgive me, but... All three of those might be wrong. Amen? And that's just not the way we do it. We compare line upon line, precept upon precept, passage against passage, and we interpret the Bible, particularly prophecy, eschatology, literally. And so, because we do, it leads us to the second bullet point there, is we believe in and hold to not only the literal interpretation of prophecy, but the premillennial return of Christ. And that's P-R-E-M-I-L-L-E-N-N-I-A-L, -E -N -N uh, if you're spelling that in the pew there. Premillennial return of Christ. What does that mean? That means that we believe that Jesus Christ is going to return, and all God's people said, but then there will be a thousand year period called the millennium. You say, Pastor, why do we believe that? Well, again, we don't have time. We've read this the last two lessons. But if you go and read Revelation 19, but especially 20, you'll find that phrase thousand years used several times. 
And it's, listen again, if you take a literal, ah, let's go there, amen, just, just let's go there, Revelation 20, it's just too good uh, really to think about in regards to uh, there are people that, that spiritualize this away and they allegorize this away and say, well, it's, it's not really a thousand years. And I know what they do. They go to Psalm 90 and say, well, the Bible says that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. And it could be, well, it does say a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. And I think what it's communicating there, which the context determines in Psalm 90, is that God is eternal. Amen? Before the mountains were formed, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. That's what Psalm 90 verse 2 tells us. And so what's a thousand years to him? It's a day. But here in Revelation it specifically says, it doesn't say it's as a thousand years, it says a thousand years. And so if you look at, uh, how about verse number, uh, let's look at verse 3 of Revelation 20. Revelation 20 verse 3, and cast him in the bottomless pit, talking about the devil in verse 2. And set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years shall be fulfilled. So, forgive me, when Satan gets cast into that pit, if you take the Bible literally, there's a stopwatch. You ever see 60 minutes there? Tick, 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 amen? There's a stopwatch. Because it tells us later, okay, verse 4, it says, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark in their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ. How long? A thousand years. Verse 5. But the rest of the dead lived not again until... The, what? Thousand years were finished. So what else is going to happen here? After that thousand years is finished, the, the devil's going to be loosed. But also, there's going to be a second resurrection that tells us about. It says here, the first one, in verse 5, this is the first resurrection. Blessed is holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. Those of you that know your Bible know that everybody that's raised at the second resurrection is going to the great white throne judgment of Revelation chapter 20, which is only for lost people. That's why it says, it's blessed to be part of the first resurrection. Again, if you're saved, you'll be part of the first resurrection. Hallelujah. Then he goes on, it says, Blessed and holy see that have part in the first resurrection, on such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him how long? What's verse 7 say? And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. So, again, I read that again to point out the importance of, of taking the Bible literally. Now again, let's, let me use Brother Lawley and Brother Bossy and myself as an example of an, of an allegory. Well, Brother Lawley thinks a thousand years represents 10,000 years. And Brother Boston thinks it, it represents an indeterminate period of time that nobody could know. And I think it represents uh, a million years. 
Now, do you see how that can lend itself to a private interpretation? Brother Wally has his interpretation, Brother Boston has his interpretation, and I have my interpretation, and by the way, they're all private. They're all wrong. The Bible says that after the thousand years, Satan's going to be loosed. You know what that means? It means after a thousand years, Satan's going to be loosed. Amen. So, uh, literal interpretation of prophecy, premillennial return of Christ. And I say that, it's so important to set the stage because everything that we will do in these lessons from here hinges on those two things. Absolutely hinges on that. So, uh, next line you have there. Jesus Christ, blank line, Jesus Christ, who is both God the Son and the Son of God, amen, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's God the Son. And then we know that He was born of a virgin as the Son of God. Amen? Is not only the key to or center of all biblical theology as the great purposes of the triune God are dependent upon Christ's person and works, but he is also the key to eschatology. That's the study of last things. Okay? Bible prophecies concerning Christ commence in Genesis. Now, you're in Revelation. I want you to, you're going to you find out tonight, we went from Genesis to Revelation in one message. Amen? So go all the way back to the book of Genesis and go to chapter 3. And you have a blank line there. You can write down 315. 315. Bible prophecies concerning Christ commence in Genesis 3.15. So let's look at Genesis 3.15. You remember what happens in Genesis chapter 3? Again, this is a good thing to do in, in, as you study the Bible. You ought to just, if you have a study Bible, or if you don't, you ought to know a key event in each chapter of the Word of God. It's a good way to study a book at a time. It's, you know, you get into the Kings and the Chronicles, it gets a little, sometimes you kind of butt heads there. But I remember Dr. Harry Carr used to tell us that about the Gospels. He said, when somebody says, turn to John chapter 6, he said, right away you ought to think of the feeding of the 5,000. He said, if somebody says, turn to Matthew chapter 26, you're going to have the betrayal of Christ. Amen. And, and on and on you can go. It's a good way to study your Bible. It really, really is. Genesis chapter 3, always, every time I think of it, I think about the fall of man. The fall of man. When man sinned is in Genesis chapter 3. But then after that, you find in verse 15, God says to the serpent here, he says, I will put enmity between thee and the woman in between thy seed and her seed. And again, if you know, a woman does not have a seed. The man has the seed. Amen. And if, if you keep reading, it says, And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Later in the book of Romans, it confirms that this was a prophecy of Christ being born of a woman, and that he was going to bruise the serpent's head, meaning he's going to give him a mortal wound, and Jesus was going to suffer a superficial wound, which again, to us it would be a mortal wound, because he would die, but he would raise again from the dead. Amen. And so this is the literally the commencement 
of biblical prophecy in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. So it commences in Genesis 3.15 and concludes in Revelation. Some of the passages we just read. He cometh with clouds. Amen. Uh, the sky is going to be open. He's going to ride on a white horse. And so um, the prophecies of Christ concerning salvation, blank line there, and as promised Messiah and King given in the Old Testament, so the prophecies of Christ concerning salvation, and as promised Messiah and King given in the Old Testament, have either been fulfilled or will be fulfilled in the New Testament. So just, just think of something that's already been fulfilled, and we're going to get into this in our next lesson. What's, what's something that's already been fulfilled? It was prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Has that already been fulfilled in the New Testament? Yes, it has. Okay. Uh, that he would be born of a virgin. We'll look at that. Amen. Has that, that, that was prophesied in the Old Testament, fulfilled in the New Testament. Now, how about his return? Has that been fulfilled yet? No, but it will be. Amen? So it's further into the New Testament. And you have to remember that, that we are in that church age. Forgive me. We're, we're, we're in those epistles. Amen? And, and we're waiting for the return of the Lord. So uh, they, they either have been fulfilled or will be fulfilled. Bible prophecies concerning Christ reveal and shed light upon not only events but also his magnificent character and glorious majesty. You know what I think of one when I think of, of that? And I gave you this chart by Larkin. It's a great chart, by the way. Uh, Clarence Larkin was a draftsman who got saved in the early 1900s, and he spent the rest of his life drawing uh, Bible charts, in, in, particularly in regards to prophecy. But one I think of right away that uh, not only is an event, but uh, reveals Christ's magnificent character and majesty is when the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, maybe verse 9, 10, 11, where it says, every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That's, that's a prophesied event that's going to take place, and it has a lot to do with the, the majesty and glory of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about these keys to prophecy. Jesus Christ is the key to Bible prophecy. Go with me one more passage here, and we'll be done. We'll get into our prayer time. Go to Luke chapter number 24. Luke chapter 24. And I, I wrote this down in my uh, evening message uh, for a different reason for this coming uh, Sunday. But you remember what has happened here again. When somebody says Luke 24, you think of the resurrection of Christ. Think of particularly the, the disciples on the Emmaus Road. This is the only account of this in the Gospels. It's only in Luke. And uh, remember what happened? They were discouraged. Jesus came alongside them. They didn't know it was Jesus. And he asked them, hey, how come you guys are sad? And they said, you know, what do you mean here? Don't you know what's happened? They took Jesus Christ of Nazareth and they crucified him. And, and uh, he goes on, and if you look down at verse number uh, 25, and he reproves them. He says there in, in Luke 24, 25, he says, And he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things, 
and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the what? He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning what? Have you ever heard a preacher say, you know, every bit of the Bible is about Jesus? This is, forgive me, as my friend George Griffiths would say, this is the big preacher saying that. This is Jesus saying, this book is all about me. Verse 27, again, in beginning at Moses, like we just began in Genesis 3.15 with that prophecy of the seed of the woman bruising the serpent's head. In beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the thing concerning himself. He jumped all the way down to verse 44. I'm sorry, verse 47. No, verse 44. It says, And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the what? And in the Psalms concerning who? Jesus. Jesus. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is the key. The key to understanding Bible prophecy. We'll look, we'll look at other things. We're going to look at the covenants. We're going to, there, there's plenty of things. We're going to look at the key of Israel and, and the difference between the church and Israel. And these are important things, but I'm going to tell you, it all comes back to Jesus. And we're going to begin again next week. We have uh, the, uh, the Thanksgiving Eve Eve service. And, uh, but into, into December, we'll start and uh, look at some of the, the other keys concerning Jesus Christ. So this is just kind of a, forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, it's kind of a whistle letter tonight. Amen. And uh, look at that, that chart there. You see, see the prophet looking across these mountain peaks. You see his birth. You see the cross. You see his return. And uh, those are so, so important as we look at uh, keys to understanding biblical prophecy. Biblical prophecy. Okay.